1: Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics See how you can get involved in support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com. That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com. Joe, where is that magnifying glass? Radio host and co-founder
0: of Throughout All Ages Ministry, Joe Guyona, left to be with the Lord on October second, two 2021. Since then, we've been playing the Throughout All Ages Radio Ministry Program's replays in its entirety. As a dedication to Joe and to all the loyal listeners of Throughout All Ages Ministry Radio Program, we will be playing Joe's Celebration of Life in three parts. As a devout Christian, you will hear the impact Joe had on his family, friends, and anybody he came in contact with. Here's part two of Joe Guyona's Celebration of Life.
2: And Joe's there. And yeah, I am I'm bitter. <laughs> He, he beat me to it, you know. I just, I, you know I, know, I know that, you know, for the, the family's sake, you know, we are like, you know, yeah, we should feel bad, but I don't. I'm like, oh, that guy, man. <laughs> Joe Martin Guiana was born to Achilles and Mary Angie Guiana on November 19, 1964. Joe was the youngest of five children. Being the youngest child was not easy around us i mean uh if you if you know us we're, we're a bunch of pranksters and 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 Joe, being the littlest of us all we we would say, Hey, you need to taste that and see if that's good you know and, and you know and and of course, being the little guy, he would taste it he point oh, yeah, we're not eating that, you know, and so you know being you know he all the the the, the dangerous situations that our parents didn't know, you know, he was the tester hey. Can you try that 12 volt battery and see if it has any juice on there? But, oh, you know, it's just oh, that that has power. You know, was just, being being the youngest was not easy. You know, but he he got over he he got over on us. You know, he he would he would play it back. He would say, oh, it's so delicious, and then we'd put it in our mouth. And go, oh, you know, you're like, oh, he got over us. He he did. You know. One thing that you don't know about Joe is that he was athletic, you know, and that's hard to believe because you see him now, you know, you know him now. But when I was in, in school, uh, the coach said to me, hey, Vaughn, do you have any brothers? And I said, yeah, I have a, a younger brother, you know, he's coming up, you know, in the ranks. And he said, bring him over. And so I brought him over and I introduced him to the coach and he said, you're on the team now. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I had to go through all the trials. I had to go through all the workouts and he gets a free ride, you know. The next year he would go undefeated with his team. I mean, he was, he was an all-star in basketball. He shot over 64% made 64% of his shots, you know, and, and he was, he was just an amazing athlete, but it was the music that grabbed his heart. He would see our uncle pick up a guitar and play it and he would just observe. And all of a sudden he take a guitar, you know, and he would start to learn it from our uncles. And he loved music. And, you know, then all of a sudden that, that was the, the, the you know, the the focal point of his life. And, and so he he became a lead singer on a few bands. It's hard to imagine that, huh? I mean, it, it, you know, but he, he would play songs and, you know, and, and we would just come along and hear, you know, we were like the Brodies, you know, carrying his, his, our younger brother now, we're carrying his gear, you know, into these concerts. And, you know, I remember one time he was jumping on the stage acting like, you know, like a rock star. And he went right through the stage. You know, and I'm like, we, you know, we laugh so hard, of course, you know, and and we had so much fun with him. But, you know, that lifestyle is rough, you know, and that kind of led him down the prodigal life that, you know, that that life that seems to grab the, the world grabs you and begins to, you know, twirl you. You think you have life. You think you have the world by the tail. But it's the opposite has you and had Joe and was taking him down to these dangerous paths. The law was right behind his tracks. It was about early 80s, mid-20s there. He was 20 years old and, you know, in in trouble. We we were just praying that God would save him. I went to church for the very first time to please my mother, of all things. She'd asked all of us, all the children, all the time, but, you know... for that reason, for, for whatever reason, I decided to go to please my mom. The gospel was preached. And, and I said, I want nothing to do with religion. And I ran away. But it was three months later that I ended up giving my life to Jesus. And I remember coming home. My brother and I, we lived together in a nice little home. And I came home and I said, man, I am, you know, he, he had all his friends there. And they were partying. And, and I usually that didn't matter to me. But now it mattered. You know, and I walked in and I started throwing everything away and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm saved by the living God and I'm born again and all this stuff has to go. And he's like, hey, half of the house is mine. You know, (laughs) and and I remember just taking everything out and all his friends began to mock me and they began to ask questions, not seriously, you know, just asking questions kind of to mock. And when I'd answer and turn away, they would laugh, you know, and They all left that night, but I was changed. I was radically changed by God Almighty. And, and throughout the weeks now, Joe's mocking began to turn into serious questioning. He began to question all the things about the Bible, about God. And I didn't have any answers. I was just a few-week-old Christian, you know. But I said, I will go find out, you know. And so I would ask tons of questions, and I would come back and answer them. About three months later, after my, my me giving my life to Jesus... He pulls over on the side of the road, no church, no altar, no worship band, n- nothing. And there he repents of his sins and gives his life to Jesus. Three months after amen. Glory to God, right? You, you, you know, those of you that have loved ones that are out there, we were out there. <laughs> and God found us. God will find them. Don't give up. You know, he, he just became this amazing man of God, I, you know. I see it as if it was yesterday. All we did is that we just wanted to spend time in the house of God. We asked the pastor for a key. I don't know how he trusted us, but he gave us He gave us the key. And then we came in and we would worship God after working, you know, our 20, you know, eight hours a day and 40 hours a week. We'd come home and just, we would come into the church and just worship God. We'd open up our Bibles and just read and read and read until the wee hours of the morning. There was times we would be marching around our building, you know, going, "Jesus, this building belongs to you," and fighting off demonic stuff. You, know, when you're young, you do crazy stuff, you know. And, you know, and, and, and it's dark. It's like 1 a.m. Police are driving by, going, "What the heck?" You know. And, you know, and we're, we're, you know, we marched around our house and praying, "Lord, protect our house." And we were worshiping. We were so in love with Jesus. And that didn't diminish throughout our lives we would praise him and sing of his wonderful works. And as we began to fall in love with him, we began to have this calling upon our lives to go and share with whoever would hear. It'd be funny. We would come into the sanctuary and I go, okay, you go up and preach first. And we'd open our Bible and we didn't know context. We didn't know anything about the Bible really. And he'd get up and he'd be preaching, you know, just like Charles Virgin, God loves all men and he died for all, you know, and he just, you know, and, and then it'd be my turn. And I, would fail you know and so but he he would just grow he just took off joe did in his spiritual life with jesus it was about that time where he met stacy stacy was this long-legged teenage girl with hair down her, you know just you know just goofy as ever you know and but yeah you know, it, it, I can say that because I you know, I knew her as a teen, you know, and, and, and but Joe fell in love with her. And it's interesting how God brings about a helpmate in your life. She was the perfect woman for Joe. Joe loved family. He loved ministry. He loved being bold and courageous and doing things that most of us wouldn't do. And Stacy would be right next to him doing the same thing. I love when God does that. He gives you a help. We we tease the young guys today about marriage. We say, hey, listen, make sure you choose wisely because, you know, you want someone to help you in the ministry, not to be your ministry. (laughs) You know, hey, hey, let me just say it like it is, you know, Joe, you know, Stacy came alongside Joe and they were. They were in love, and Stacy would go. Every, you know, if you knew Joe, Joe was a troublemaker with women. You know, he, he would quote scriptures. You know, the Bible says you need to, as Sarah called Abraham, Lord. You ought to call your husband Lord. You know, and he he was a troublemaker. He loved to start fires like that. You know, and Stacy would go, hit him on the side and say, "Hey, Joe, quit doing that." You know, and Joe was like, ah. but you know, just. <laughs> they had Joe and Stacy raised three children: Joe Jr. Faith, hope, which gave Joe six grandchildren: Aubrey, Noah, Kaylee, Elsie, Brooklyn, and Ryland. They're all here today, I believe. Did I say his name right, Ryland? Did I say uh, Ryland? And I just look at they're all amazing little guys. And he had a he had a quiver full, you know. And he he loved family. He he just he wanted to work so hard for his family, but he was divided. He, He wished that he could be a millionaire and take care of his children, but he knew that serving the Lord, that path would not take him down the millionaire path. He wanted to serve the Lord equally. Very difficult to do. And as the children began to grow older, the more and more of his time was spent serving the Lord. He started multiple ministries from street evangelism to apologetics and defending the faith. To even creating YouTube channels for biblical training. If you've ever seen him on the streets, he's, he's courageous. He would say, Hey, you know, Bon, why don't you come with me out to Balboa Park and we'll preach the gospel? And I'd show up, you know, and he'd have this huge sign and they would say, Jesus loves you. And everybody loved that one, you know, and they would say, Yeah, right on. And then he would turn it around and say, You're going to hell without Jesus. And that <laughs> people would get fired up, man. <laughs> Christians, especially, they're like, Why, 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 why? And Joe would just softly say, are you going to tell people about Jesus and what happens if you don't accept? There's judgment awaiting. Are you going to share? No, but you shouldn't share like that. You know, they'd get so angry at him. He says, here, Vaughn, you hold a sign. I go, I'm not a sign holder. (laughs) I'll preach to everybody, but I'm not a sign holder. And he goes, well, then wear this shirt. You guys seen that shirt? Big old bright red shirt. I mean, you know, on us, it looks like a billboard, you know. Jesus loves you, you know, and, and I'm like, no, Joe, I'll preach to everybody, but I'm not going to wear that shirt. <laughs> He was amazing. You know, just there are, there, are, there are people called in the ministry, but then there's, there are those that are called to go to the highways and the byways. And that was Joe's ministry. Apologetics, defending the faith, to even creating YouTube channels for biblical training. Most recently, the Lord placed a strong burden on Joe's heart to reach the next generation of young believers and prepare them for the future. He would prepare them in two main areas. He would train them to witness with uh, re- relevance, confidence. And the love of Christ. And he would train them in apologetics, defending their faith so that they might be able to give an intelligent and loving answer to the skeptic. Have you ever seen Joe? He would, you know, and you had a question for him and it was one of those tough questions. He would say, put it on the scale. And see if if the scale has any weight to it. He'd say, come on, put your evolution theory here. See if there's any transitional form. You're starting to weigh there, you know. Have you ever seen any kind of animal changing from one kind to another? You know, and he he would preach the scale always. Oh, that's good question. Put it on the scale. And let's see see if that information will hold up, you know. Of course it wouldn't hold up. Lies and deception and, yeah, (laughs) fake news, you know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I loved it. He, and he was teach, he was going to all these high schools, going to the universities, and standing there and let's preach, let's talk about truth. And whoever was willing, he would preach to them. So much wanted to reach the next generation. Joe, with his wife, Stacy, went on to become the founders of a ministry they call 1530 Apologetics, with throughout all the ages ministries, where he spent the last seven years faithfully witnessing and training students within our very own secular colleges and high school campuses. You know, just an amazing man. You know, we we traveled through so many adventures in the faith, starting churches together, starting Bible studies together, and I'm going to miss him dearly. Just an amazing man of God, you know, and I look forward to seeing him in heaven. Amen. It's okay to grieve, but for me, I'm jealous and I am happy that he doesn't have to put up with this crazy culture we live in now. And so I just, I am grateful i'm grateful to have him as my brother great grateful to have stacy as my sister-in-law and forever joe will be in our hearts god bless you
3: you. i'm trying to make this quick (laughs) for myself (laughs) um i do want to thank everyone though there are so many people that joined us in praying for my dad and You know, I believed that he was going to come through because he had so much to do still, you know. But I love what someone said to me today. Uh, They said, well, I think, you know, the Lord just gives us only so many rewards in heaven. Then he has to take you home, you know. so (laughs) (laughs) You know, over this last week, I've had many people reach out and they let me know just how much my dad had impacted their lives. And I couldn't help but notice in how many different ways. It's just amazing to think and seeing everyone here and all the different, you know, walks of life that we've all been in and, um, wow, all the different stages, you know. I said, man, I don't know who to sit next to. Everyone's so meaningful here, you know. But my dad did so many things for, for uh, on this earth, from teaching people how to worship the Lord Uh, teaching people how to witness, teaching people how to defend the faith and as many people said called me this week saying man even just his big old smile you know and his presence and his uh, that that full-belly laughter that he always had you know it'd fill up a room. He was a really good dad and that's what I want to talk about today you know he always knew how to have a great time no matter what was going on or who was there he he could get the whole room laughing and he knew how to have a good time you know everyone there even the quietest person would end up start you know having a good time as well and you know you never knew what was going to come out of his mouth <laughs> but you knew it was going to be some kind of zinger right and uh, you just hoped it wasn't pointed towards you <laughs> i was even thinking when i put my shoes on today you know every time i'd walk in the house with these you know he'd say oh you going bowling with me today You know, what I love, though, is even though, you know, actually, you know, I pretended to be shocked by it. But secretly, I always enjoyed knowing that it was coming, knowing he was going to say something to surprise somebody. You know, I love seeing people's reactions (laughs) to it. And he could get away with everything. And I realize now it's because of that big old smile he had, you know. But my dad, he wasn't just jokes and laughter. You know, he was a man of purpose, and the Lord gave him the gift of teaching, which was a, a blessing for many of you. It was also a burden for me and my sisters, right? Because he always had to train us in everything. He was, he was a teacher, so everything was a training session for us. Uh, if we got in trouble, we knew what was coming. It wasn't going to be screaming and yelling. It wasn't going to be any type of, you know, physical discipline. It was something far worse. We had to prepare ourselves for a two-hour lecture on what we did wrong, why it is wrong, what we ought to do to do it right, and, and why it's good to do those things. And right when we thought he was done, then he was going to start all over and do that lecture again. And I, I remember always going, Dad, you, already j- you just said this to me. Well, I already told you this before and you didn't listen, so I'm telling you again. You know, as a youth, I I hated it, and I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) But as I grew older, I quickly realized that he was training me to be a good man, to critically think about things, and not just get all emotional and and get caught up in emotions, but to think critically about things, to understand, you know, what's going on in truth, you know, and and to do things with purpose and value, and that's what I loved about it. And, And I thank him for teaching me that. I I even went to him as an older guy and and said, Dad, you know, I just thank you for doing that for me. And now my kids, they get to enjoy (laughs) those very same lectures. (laughs) Although I've shortened them down a little bit, right? (laughs) You know, as I got older, those lectures, they changed into conversations. Conversations between just two men. And we spend hours discussing... (laughs) theology, philosophy, political issues, life principles. And it was amazing because in just a few hours, my dad and I, we would solved most of the world's problems. (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason why we didn't share them with with everyone else is because then we couldn't have those conversations. (laughs) And that's what I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss. But you know the thing that I am most thankful that my dad taught me is, is how to have an intimate and personal relationship with the Lord and Savior. And I remember when I was young, and he would just say, <laughs> he'd say, hey, come with me, we're going to go pray. And we would just head outside or to some meadow, some field, and I'd just kind of watch him with curiosity, you know, and he'd just start walking, and he'd just begin to pray. It almost, you know, sounded like a mumble because it was so quiet, you know, but I knew he was praying, and, and he just walked back and forth. And you know, I remember as a kid watching him, and I'd see the passion in his eyes, and I knew that it was real. I knew that it was genuine. You know, who he was talking to, and what he was hearing, or what he was, what was going on there. It was real. And so I remember, I, I began to pray, and I began to try to listen, and just hear what the Lord had to say. He taught me to trust in the Lord in every single situation, whether life was great, Or whether life was horrible. And that the Lord would be my rock. He would be my foundation. That God's word and his promises. Man, they're faithful and true. That all things on this earth, they can be shaken. They're going to be shaken. They will. For each one of us. It doesn't matter if you know the Lord or or you don't. The things of of this earth that can be shaken will be shaken. But if I put my trust in Jesus and his word, man, he will make me unshakable. And I got to see that in my dad's life. I got to watch my dad go through some of the hardest trials in life. And, but what was amazing is that through each one, I saw him put his trust in the Lord. He didn't waver in that. He placed his strength in the Lord. And I've seen the Lord perform so many miracles in my dad's life. And even now in my life, I've seen him perform those same miracles. And I'm saying this because, you know, just recently, it was actually 13 days before my dad went home to be with the Lord, I was contemplating this, you know. Why, why do we get the miracle sometimes and then other times we don't? And I think it's a question that a lot of you guys kind of mentioned to me, you know, because we were believing and, and hoping that my dad would be here today. And it, I think it's just pretty awesome because the Lord actually just, you know, pressed in my heart as I was, as I was praying for my dad and, and thinking about this, you know, why do we get the miracle sometimes and other times we don't? And and, you know, there's another thing my dad taught me was to to write things out, talking with the Lord, you know. And I want to read to you, it was September 19th, 2021, and I want to read to you uh, what I wrote down here. Crying out to the Lord, I said, Father, I don't know why you perform miracles and other times you do not. I don't need to question your judgment because I do know that you are good and in you is no evil at all. I know that you love us with a great love because Jesus, while you were here, and you came to Martha and Mary when Lazarus was dead, the Bible says that you wept. And then it wasn't just a small cry, but you bitterly sobbed, you cried out. And it never says why you cried in God's word, but I believe you cried for our sake. Because even though you knew you were going to raise Lazarus from from the dead, you still wept. It was almost as if that moment in time, that scene of, of everyone grieving in anguish and being separated from their loved ones, all the emotional anguish that comes upon us due to death, it was too much for your heart. Your love for us is so strong and you couldn't help but sob in tears for us. And I believe that scene in, in Luke chapter 11, it represented every person's death in the world. That scene showed us how your heart feels towards, towards death. It was the shortest verse. Jesus wept. And you wept because it breaks your heart to see the pain and anguish that we go through because of death. And yes, you give us temporary joy and peace by performing a miracle. You can do that, raising our loved ones from their deathbed. But ultimately, we still will have to die again. And that temporary joy and that temporary peace, it's going to disappear. And it'll be replaced with that same pain and that same anguish that we felt before. But you knew this, and you knew Lazarus would have to die again. You'd raise him up, but he would have to die again. And so you wept. You wept for us. And then you turned your eyes to Lazarus' tomb, and you raised him from the deathbed. But if you would have stopped there, what real joy could we possibly have? What true peace and comfort could we possibly stand upon? You did not stop there. No, you set your eyes upon the cross and you determined to give the ultimate cost, your own life, in order to eradicate death from our reality forever. And on that day when they arrested you, and they beat you, and they spit on you, and they ripped open your body because of our sin, you marched to that hill, and you placed our sin upon your body, and you put yourself upon that cross. And I know that Lazarus was in your thoughts, as well as Martha, and Mary, and every single person that ever lived. We were in your thoughts, and it was the joy that was set Before you that you endured the cross. The joy of knowing that no longer would our joy have to be just temporary. No longer would our peace and comfort be shaken from us. Because now you are able to offer something so much greater than just a temporary miracle. Now you can offer us an eternal joy. An eternal peace. An eternal comfort. An everlasting hope. Because through your death you conquered sin. And you conquered death entirely. And you rose three days later. And you live. You live on forever because you hold the keys now. You conquered death and disease and sickness and sorrow. You offer us life everlasting. Strength for today and hope that is secure. And no longer do you have to weep for us as if we have no hope. Because you, Jesus, are our hope. You give us life forever. We have all joy, all peace, all hope. We will live forever because of what you did for us. And even though we weep today because we, we miss our loved ones for this short season of being separated. Our weeping is not of hopelessness. We rest secure in full assurance that you have forgiven our sins. You have given us the gift of eternal life. That we know our future and we know our destiny. In your presence forever with our loved ones who called upon your name for salvation. And where you're going to wipe away every tear. And there's going to be no sorrow, no sickness, and no death to ever separate us again. And that's the true hope. That's the true miracle that he gives The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord.
0: That was part two of Joe Guyona's Celebration of Life. Tune in next week as we continue to hear the impact that Joe Guyona had on his friends,
1: family, and anybody he came in contact with. God bless. That's a take, and this has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting Throughout All Ages That's Throughout All Ages